G'day, welcome to Lunch Money. My name's Nick Samios. Um, thanks for joining us today, whether or not you're joining us live or uh, on our podcast or uh, maybe watching us a bit later on on YouTube. Uh, we've, got, uh, we've got a great lineup today. Um, some of you might be working from home, but uh, imagine working from inside uh, a, hot, a hot tank of sulfuric acid. Uh, that's what some people are doing today. Um, we've got, uh, we, we're going to be looking at mining services in WA, and uh, then we're going to come back over east and look at a little bit of corporate restructuring. We're going to look at some of the news today. I'm going to start off with uh, introducing our first guest, who is Dave Osman from uh, APMS. G'day, Dave. How are you going? Good, Nick. Yourself? Fantastic, fantastic. So, Dave, you're—I um, guess your your business does a couple of things. You're obviously uh, in the in the business of acid tanks and processing, yeah. but you also do uh, sort of uh, manufacturing as well. What what's been keeping you busy, sort of since this COVID struck? What what's been keeping you guys busy? Um, I guess we've had a fair few shutdowns that have been postponed. Um, but we're earlier on in the year from sort of March, April, May, and then that's they've been rescheduled to, to later on in the year. To We're trying to sort of start doing shutdowns again around August, September, October, November. So it's it's been quite busy rescheduling them and, and dealing with clients um, uh, to, I guess, get some dates and, and work out when the borders are going to be open to, to be able to travel and do that sort of work. Yep. Some of our work is, um, or a fair chunk of our work is overseas as well. So that's that's been another challenge to to also deal with those clients and see when we can actually get across to to do their plants. Um, we're pretty fortunate the fact that we there's not many, I guess, around the world that do the sulfuric acid work. So we just run a bit of a video of uh, what some of your guys do, yep. uh, some of the specialist work that you do. Now. And just explain to us, so, so, this, so this is your guys going into a, a hot tank of sulfuric acid? Yeah, so that's the sulfuric acid processing tower. Um, so we go in and uh, do a video inspection of, of the acid flowing around in that surface. So that, that's 98% um, sulfuric acid. Uh, so and you're not going, going in there and you some farms? No, not, not, they used to, maybe 30 years ago. Um, but yeah, so we go in there and test the flow okay. and we feed that video back to our clients so that they can see um, right, the, the inside of the towers, which is something they don't generally get to see. Now, my, you, I was talking to you the other day, and you were saying that um, some of you—it's obviously highly specialised work that you do there. It's not just yep. a matter of putting on a spacesuit yep. and and getting yep. in. It's highly specialised work. And uh, if any competition that you have tends to come from overseas, but of course those guys can't fly in at the moment. Yeah, that's correct. We're actually quite. Um, I guess there's there's been some instances where shutdowns have been or maintenance has been delayed, but on the other hand, we had a, a client um, we haven't worked for previously give us a call and they generally get an American company out to do the work and um, we were able to mobilise to give them a hand within sort of 24 hours. We had a, a sea container um, with our equipment on a truck and uh, we were able to mobilise up to sort of midwest of WA. So it was actually, yeah, there's some, there is some positives out of it, but um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's certainly been challenging, that's for sure. Yeah, but uh, okay. Now, I guess um, uh, looking at your background, I mean, you've you've been running this business. I mean, you're, you're obviously the the, uh, the principal at uh, at APMS, and you've been running that business for eleven or twelve years. Yeah, yeah. And you you learnt your trade basically uh, at uh, in the navy. Yeah, I did uh, join the navy in eighty three as a as a sixteen year old. Um, yeah. Left home and and went out into the wide world. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. I, I joined as a junior recruit over in, in Fremantle um, yeah. and did my nine months over there and then went did uh, tra trade training um, in Melbourne and Sydney. And I mean, one, I of, one of the things... In Perth. Right. Mm. I mean, I know, I know that... Uh, I mean, the, 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 thing, the detail of planning that goes into your operations, when you're doing one of these mining shutdowns, I mean, they're very yeah. precise. It, it is like a military mobilisation, isn't it? You're flying guys there. Yeah. And the supply. Oh, the tra oh. Training the guys, um, making sure all the guys are trained to the to the right standards and, and competencies, the equipment, um, the the suits that you see in that video. Um, they're inspected um, nearly every time we use them. Um, so there's there's a lot. The, the guys are, are really sort of going in there and, and, and potentially putting their life at risk. I mean, they're... They're going into a, a, a sulfuric acid tower, and, and by the time they come out, that suit is 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 literally covered in in sulfuric acid sludge or liquid. And um, yeah, they, then there's a cleaning process on the way out that um, is is sometimes just as risky because the guys sitting on the outside are, are still dealing with sulfuric acid and, and and other nasty chemicals. So yeah, there's a lot of training and, um, and high level of competency that goes into it, that's for sure. That's, I guess yeah. that's why there's, there's not, um, not, not everyone off the street, does it? Yeah, well, look, I mean, we won't go into it now, but I understand that, uh, yeah, it's, it takes a special kind of person. Is it, uh, uh, well, I had one of your guys once explain it to me, uh, what's that, that, that movie where the crazy guys going into space? They're a little bit like yeah. uh, astronauts, aren't they? Yeah, uh, it's actually quite... It's a bit of an adventure thing. Yeah, it's actually quite um, it's quite funny when you get someone new and you're training them to go into a suit, and um, when you're zipping up the suit for the first time, and you see the the, the look on their face, yeah. you sort of you're actually encapsulating them into a, a, a potentially um, it could be a, could be a body bag, and you yeah. know you're you're sort of closing the zip, and they're on their on their breathing air, and and um, you can see instantly whether they're going to make it a, as a sulfuric acid technician or not. Um, well, they could end up like Sylvester the cat in a cartoon, couldn't it? We'll just put you on hold for a sec, Dave, um, yep. and we'll just introduce our next uh, our next guest, um, Mark Robinson, who uh, coincidentally was was actually in the navy at the same time as as Dave. You guys were never on the uh, on the same ship, though. I don't think. Uh, that's right, Nick. I, I started in 1983, but I started on the Eastern Seaboard at uh, HMS Creswell at Jarvis Bay. Yeah, I, actually, I don't know if you remember when we first met, Mark. It was a long, long time ago, um, but I, I must admit that uh, I don't know. Somehow, I knew about your naval background. I don't know how it came up, but uh, you know, you did seem to be very cool, and uh, I don't know. There, there was a certain calm about you, and a certain uh, you're very methodical as well. I don't know if that's uh, an, a sort of a naval uh, training that comes into into the practice of insolvency and corporate restructuring. Yeah, Nick, I, I know where you're headed. Um, yeah, look. Uh, it's a very structured environment, um, and uh, and so that's got a lot of uh, application. In my career in the Navy, I was a project manager, so I also did master's degrees sort of studies in that area, which was with the then new submarine project. So, you know, that sort of methodology has a lot of application in particularly in complex, fast-moving insolvencies. We, we had, uh, I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, we had the uh, CEO of, a, of an IPO called IntelliCare and he had been in the uh, RAAF and uh, yeah, he certainly said that he learnt how to uh, how to stay pretty calm under pressure uh, over there. Um, tell me, so as an, as an insolvency and corporate restructuring uh, person, what's been keeping you busy this, this past week? Uh, look, uh, two, two things uh, uh, in respect of uh, some trading of some companies through to a sale 
and they're basically what I've categorised as pre-COVID uh, sort of restructurings through to yep. sales of parts of their businesses. And then I guess the second limb is uh, prepping uh, some some companies for when in September, um, you know, the the fiscal taps uh, turned off, and uh, and those that you know are capable of surviving, you know, are, are putting an appropriate plan in place. My, my brother refers to the before COVID time as uh, it's the before time, like in Mad Max, uh, Mad Max Thunderdome, the children tell the story of the before time, uh, which is yeah. quite funny. And what sort of businesses have you been involved in, just out of curiosity? Oh, I'll look um, uh, uh, retail uh, uh, predominantly, but uh, but then also, uh, interestingly, uh, a software development company. Um, and uh, notwithstanding, um, you know, COVID restrictions, uh, you know, that, that uh, we sold some uh, uh, IP for some a very significant sum in that environment. And uh, I think it was attractive from the point of view that everything that can go onto a platform or, or be digitised, you know, that's the way business is going. And, uh, and this particular business sort of hit that sweet spot. Mm. Yeah, look, it's interesting. I mean, again, with this IPO that we were looking at a couple of weeks ago, they're, they're um, providing certain technology and life's going to change. It's interesting. You talk about uh, businesses getting ready for September, I guess, when uh, when all the training wheels that the government's been providing come off. I mean, do you think it will be September? Oh, oh, oh look, that, that's an interesting call. I understand government in June is going to sort of uh, uh, come together and, and, and see what's transpired so far. I think there'll be probably a tweak in both directions. Um, a tweak for those companies that seem to be travelling relatively well through this period, they might be weaned off the support packages earlier. And then those that have really suffered, uh, you know, let's say in hospitality uh, and retail, maybe there might be an extension beyond September for those particularly affected industries. Have you been, have you looked at any hospitality businesses of late? Uh, uh, not not uh, not. Uh, Personally, um, certainly, you know, preliminary uh, calls, but but not in detail. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, look. Uh, on that note, we'll just uh, introduce our next guest, Serena Jackson, who is a lawyer at Duros Jackson. G'day, Serena. How are you going? Good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, we'll, we'll we'll get onto the the sort of legal side of of of, uh, of your life, but you're also a, a, a part time restaurateur. A great time to be that, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yes, I'm definitely part-time at the moment. Uh, yeah. Got a small uh, restaurant in um, just around the corner from your place uh, in Alexandria and hit hard by COVID. Very interesting um, being in hospitality during this period of time with the shutdown. Uh, did, you've, you've also, are you, you're also involved in wine a little bit? Uh, yes, mostly drinking it these days, but um, yeah. selling it. it just out of the office in in my legal office, just selling wine um, with a small liquor license to friends and things like that. So yeah, yeah. I had forgotten about that because I know we had Peter McAtamany from the wine industry last week, and I wondered why you'd sort of volunteered to be on that week. But of course, then then the penny dropped. And what about? I guess you're involved. Uh, you've got clients uh, in banking and finance. Uh, well, I mean, what, what? And obviously, you're involved in insolvency and all, all sorts of stuff. What's been mainly keeping you busy the last couple of weeks? Um, it's funny that the, the, the key areas, I suppose, have been property. So we act for quite a few uh, landlords in regards to um, the rental um, incentives or the rebates and the deferrals of the commercial property. Um, we also have quite a large mortgage practice, which is which has actually not seen much change. So a lot of people were very worried about COVID 
and what that would have on the residential property market. But we've seen that not drop off. We've actually seen it slightly increase um, from, from where it was from the beginning of the year, which, which is interesting. Um, and also there's a lot of clients at the moment are interested in the JobKeeper. So um, uh, whether now that they're in the system, can they get out of it? How, what happens if they're not quite um, giving the right figures to the government, uh, that kind of thing. And then what happens if they don't match up uh, in the next BAS, for example, do they have to give the money back, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of questions around what if where it can go wrong with JobKeeper. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. And, and I mean, do you have any sort of sense as to when, when do you speculate that JobKeeper might come to an end? Do you think it'll come to an end as scheduled or...? Um, I think I think there's probably Mark's probably right in in I think it's going to be a bit of tweaking for for some people it's going to be extended and I think it's going to be shortened for some people. Um, mm. I mean you look at tourism and hospitality and if Queensland keep their borders closed, there's going to be businesses up in Queensland who who are going to need assistance far beyond September. So whereas New South Wales is obviously opening up their borders next week or t into internal travel, so I think it's going to be very um, it dependent upon how the states open up. And what about on the sort of restructuring and insolvency side of things? Uh, you know, I guess a, a lot because the government's practically put the whole economy into um, safe harbour. A lot, of, a lot. Of, there's been apart from Virgin, I guess uh, there's not really been a lot of activity. I did notice some wind up. I, I noticed some uh, some companies being wound up this week. I don't understand how that works, uh, given the uh, they, they were started pre, so that the, those proceedings were done pre pre the right. um, legislation. The safe, well, effectively the safe harbour. Another one that went G Star went this week, didn't it? Did the, right. Um, G Star went into administration. Um, yeah, the restructuring that, that's is, the, that, is that the like transport that. company? No, the the jeans. Jeans. Oh, jeans. You know, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but insolvency has been quite quiet. Um, yeah, I think yeah. the government effectively just put a put a lid on it and said we'll deal with it in the back half of the year. So I think it's going to get very busy um, come September onwards. All right, well, look, uh, on that note, we might just uh, get everybody together and fantastic. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at uh, a few news headlines uh, in a minute. I guess, uh, Serena in, I mean, oh, and, and Mark, I guess in your line of work, you don't quite get the excitement that Dave uh, has the opportunity yeah. to, to climb into assets tanks and that sort of stuff. I'm not sure I want to either, to be honest. I mean, mining services is one of those industries, I guess, that the way we're sort of clinging to and hoping to to help kick kick the economy along. Well, I guess we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. Um, but we will uh, take a look at our news headlines. Let's have a look at what, uh, what, what some of the things that have been making it in the news this week. Now, this first one is uh, good old Gonski uh, in the Fin Review, oh, no, might have been in the Australian, saying that, um, you know, Australia's got to rethink um, rethink its industries. And one of the things he's talking about is manufacturing. We've got to, everyone's talking about we've got to bring back manufacturing because, you know, we've learned a lesson in being reliant on China, etc. I mean, Dave, part of what you do, I mean, you obviously do, do the, the, the um, cleaning mm. up uh, shutdowns and whatever. We also do a fair bit of manufacturing yourself. I mean, how 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 if, if how how do we turn manufacturing back on in this country? I mean, how do how do you see it as a manufacturer? Oh, look, I think um, I mean we we've got a small in comparison. We've got a very small workshop in Henderson, in in WA, and I think there's there's some things that that are capable of being manufactured in Australia, and and some things that we've just 
lost that ability or we're just too expensive to fabricate in in australia it, it's unfortunate and um i'm not sure how i'm sure there's a lot of items that that could be manufactured in australia that um the government's looking at now and and that, i guess one of them one of them is medical supplies um that we seem to have we fell short of um right at the start of the COVID. so things like that we, we could definitely i think there's industries there that are already set up but maybe the industry we look at industries that are are running in australia and, and try and um help them along to be a bit more competitive and um yeah and uh, so, so, so scott morrison, that way imagine us you know scott morrison and uh and gonski you know turn up at, uh, at henderson knocking on your door and they go dave you can have you know you can have three wishes to, to sort of crank up manufacturing what 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 do you think they would need to be i mean is it you know depreciation on equipment is it tax incentives i mean what is it labor well, it's 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 labor and and available so if you if a couple of visits to china and in, in, in their workshops and the the workshops from a from a steel manufacturing perspective um structural steel pressure vessels things like that are, their workshops are, are just absolutely massive it's it's just to walk into them and and see the the area that they've got um and they can put mm -hmm. these workshops together at, at, at a very very low cost and the cost of the labor is 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 very very low so mm -hmm. um we we just i don't think we can we can match that from an australian perspective but on the other side of that when we do fabricate or manufacture stuff in australia it's sort of very it's, it's a high quality so mm -hmm. it we've got to look at what we're prepared to pay for i guess at the end of the day is um we do make things very well in australia and it's a high quality um so people have yeah. got to be prepared to pay for it um well maybe yeah maybe Australian manufacturing needs to be like uh, the special forces you know as opposed to sort of yeah. a, the general army okay well uh any any thoughts uh there serena or mark on just one point we're going to open up factories again we'd need new equipment and most of that equipment is made in china so i'm not sure <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure where the chicken and yeah. the egg comes from and how we started yeah. all that up again. I think the answer more lies in, um, you know, we've got too many eggs in one basket being China and uh, expanding those mm. relationships with India and Indonesia and, uh, you know, North America and, and, and yeah. Britain and Europe uh, is probably more where the answer lies. Okay. All right, we might uh, go to the next, uh, the next headline. Uh, ah, this is an interesting one, actually, that I'm going to throw Serena under the bus on. So this is this is interesting. This is an article about negative interest rates. I mean, as as governments around the world are uh, printing money in order to to keep their economies afloat, uh, you know, there is downward pressure on interest rates. And even before COVID came along, there was uh, negative interest rates in some parts of the world. And and um, people are saying they're wondering if this is like a Y2K situation where banks are looking at their documents and saying, well, if, if interest rates do go negative, do they suddenly start, have to start paying their customers to borrow money off them? Um, can you imagine? How, have you heard about this, Corinna? Or? Uh, I've, I've, I've read a little bit about it um, because uh, Europe and America are obviously a possibility in heading that way. But I, I think what you'll get is some, in Australia in particular, is some um, very fast um, amendments to documentation and some very fast uh, court appearances before judges trying to get rulings on the fact that they don't need to pay out on negative interest rate. Um, it, it sort of goes against the common sense that the bank's going to do that. So I don't think it's ever going to get there. But um, under the documentation at the moment that most banks have, it, it, is, it is certainly not ruled out because it's not explicitly... Um, 
reserved as if it's not going to happen. But so it, 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 it's, it's a very unknown area. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. I mean, I guess if, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is interesting. Um, anyway, look, we won't, uh, we won't bog into that, uh, into that too much. Okay, our next uh, news item is on iron ore. Yeah, so this is out of today's paper, iron ore uh, back up to $100 a tonne. Um, so, Dave, are we, is the mining sector booming again? Uh, it will do. I think they, they've gone into a bit of a lockdown. Um, they had to, I guess, protect their interests. They've, they've been able to maintain a running status, um, keep the, the um, I guess, the ore or whatever they're project, project processing going. Um, they've effectively been in lockdown to fly and fly out guys have been having to do longer stints and, and things like that to keep the mining industry going. So I did read this morning that that is starting to open up. I think Rio are starting to uh, look at their fly and fly out roster, so, uh, which is which is really good news for, for everyone, really including the guys that are, that are um, either stuck on site or stuck in places for extended periods of time. So I think it's, it's definitely starting to open up. But from an iron ore perspective, I don't think they actually stopped producing or, or lost any um, any sort of massive tons during the well, during the COVID. So they've been quite lucky. Well, Twiggy's uh, doing his best to keep the Chinese buying. I suppose. <laughs> um, very well, isn't he? Yeah, and now I know I know Dave that uh, a lot of what you do is in base metals, isn't it? Zinc and what have you? Um, yeah, we work in um, a lot of nickel plants, the nickel right. furnaces right. produce SO two gas. Um, right. We're uh, lead zinc in, in Mount Isa. Um, yeah, so main, mainly nickel industries, uh, the sulfuric acid side of things. And do they, I mean, how, I, I mean, I haven't got the prices for, for nickel and zinc, but are they, are they, are they performing well as well? Oh, nickel's, nickel's a tough industry for, for most of the players. It goes up and down um, and it's, uh, yes, it's a, a pretty tough industry. Um, depending on the processes, a couple of different processes and some do it a little bit better than others and some processes are quite difficult um, and hard on the equipment. So nickel's a very uh, difficult industry. Uh, but let's, I mean, assuming, I, well, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. And one of the things is that I, I know, again, that uh, in your game, regardless of whether there's a virus or not a virus, I mean, the, the, the uh, mining plant needs to be refurbished, otherwise it becomes dangerous yep. and efficient and all that yep. sort of stuff. I mean, yep. how, how do you go about, I mean, if all of a sudden you get a whole bunch of shutdowns hit, hit your desk, how do you go about recruiting? Is it, do you normally fly in people from other states? Is there a high availability of labour? Um, yeah, our, our people are pretty much recruited from around Australia. So depending on, um, yeah, where we, so we're going to do a shutdown in, um, or a maintenance period in WA, we will fly guys from, from Queensland, New South Wales, South, South Australia, um, Tasmania. So that's been probably the most difficult thing um, that we've had to encounter um, is, is, I guess, our, our staff is Australia-wide then. Getting overseas is going to be our next biggest challenge. Um, yeah. To okay. fly. We were supposed to be doing a shutdown in Canada in April, so um, yeah, that's. Mark, Mark, um, Mark, do you do you um, have you got much involvement in mining services of late? Uh, uh, not of late, but uh, just in terms of uh, you know the upkick in iron ore to China, I guess. You know, the interesting thing to watch out for will be whether the Chinese impose any interesting and curious uh, customs procedures. Uh, just to uh, teach us a bit more of a lesson. Right. I mean, are you seeing that impacting in any of the businesses that you've been working with the last couple of weeks? Uh, not, not over the last couple of weeks, no. Yeah. 
yeah yeah okay what about you serena do you i mean does uh have you got any uh, i mean i guess in your because you do a, a lot for equipment financiers don't you mm. so they're so they're, that, they're booming at the moment so one of our clients says said they've been in operation for 25 years and they've never been busier so um they quite like COVID, um which <laughs> you know counterintuitive but um mm. so equipment equipment finance particularly um the heavy 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 equipment finance and mining yeah. gear is seems to be going back up uh and i also think that's probably got to do with as well like the government's bringing forward some infrastructure platforms or infrastructure programs so obviously if you're bringing forward infrastructure program um equipment's needed for that and therefore it's all got to get purchased and financed so um i think that that's also got something to do with it yeah so yellow goods yep yeah you so yeah you're seeing, you're seeing a bit of that all right uh okay let's uh let's just turn over to the next uh the next slide and this is a couple of articles i think again out of today's papers and if you can't read those one of them um actually one of them's from earlier in the week where it talks about uh the concern uh, why 63 billion of commercial office loans have bankers worried and this is this is um the idea that now because a lot of people may you know a lot of the big firms that have got a lot of floor space in town uh, may be asking the question as to whether or not they need all their people to have their uh, their bums on seats in the office all the time and that's uh, that's one concern and um then on the other hand we've got the reserve bank uh, urging banks to lend again, um, and I'm certainly speaking to my finance broker friends. You know, things are you know the banks are obviously very tight. I mean, it's been very hard to get hold of bankers. It's certainly when COVID first hit because they're busy dealing with all sorts of weird and wonderful requests. Uh, and and this particular article talks about payment deferrals as being an issue. Mark, you you said earlier, um, obviously you're thinking about what happens in September because one of the things that happens in September is not only JobKeeper running out, but also those six-month holidays uh, start uh, running out as well on the on the lease payments and all that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly right, and they really are that. They're not forgiveness. They are deferrals, and those deferrals are accruing interest. And so, it's actually uh, in many cases, you know, exacerbating uh, a, a problem. Now, mm. you know, that can certainly be worked through if if a business. At its core, is fundamentally viable and uh, and and can some, reach some longer term accommodations with financiers. Um, but if there is you know something uh, dire or structurally wrong with the business, um, yeah, it's it's just going to make a bad situation worse. I mean, it is a it's it's an issue. I hadn't thought of it. I mean, I guess everybody else has, and it's a double whammy, isn't it? The, the job keeper runs out, and the payments uh, at the bank, as you say, it's a deferral. It's not a forgiveness. It sounds. Mm. Uh, mm. Sounds like a yeah uh, relationship issue there, but uh, and, and just on top of that, um, mm -hmm. most of the rental, um, the commercial rental uh, deals that are being done at the moment is fifty percent rebate or fifty percent deduction and fifty percent deferral. So a lot of people are going to get hit with that on top of their banking um, banking requirements and 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 the deferrals there. So people are sort of thinking that they're going to be fine, but come September, it's it's going to be a very different story. Further to that list, um, you know, the moratoriums in terms of insolvent trading and the moratoriums yep. in terms of serving one, et cetera, mm. all of that comes off in September. So you've got a wave of four or yeah. five different things all, all sort of hitting uh, in mid to late September. I wonder, um, I think Dave's probably thinking he was going to have a sandwich for lunch. He's probably going to get a bottle of grog now. But um, what... <laughs> um, <laughs> I want. Yeah, what... Um, what well, I want what, to say what, September. 
Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, well, the other side of this this article here is about office space. Now, both, uh, I guess, both Duros Jackson and DeVries Tay, I mean, you're, you're boutique firms, I guess, if I can put it in those uh, in those terms, but some of your, uh, your colleagues in those large firms, I mean, without naming names, but obviously, you know, there's some very large law firms and some very large accounting practices around. Um, I wonder how I wonder how they'd be. Um, I wonder how that you know, will they be looking for less space? I mean, how's it going to work? Well, um, I know that uh, one large firm in particular uh, has has gone uh, taken three less floors, so they've reduced size because they think that um, that's what's going to be required moving forward. So I think mm. if that's a lead, then it's a, quite an interesting one. So. And that's three floors of office space in Sydney that uh, were full up until the beginning of this year. So um, I, I think that the, the banks probably do have a bit of uh, concern around the commercial office uh, space. But then, you know, there's smaller businesses like ours that we say, you know, we've got our space to we need as big, but then the, the business above us probably move into our space. So that's, but so it's the top end that I think is of, of, of major concern. Yeah, yeah I, I'd agree with Serena. Uh, you know, the space that we have in a boutique firm, we, uh, you know, we're, we're quite generous with our floor space, but but that's actually fitted in quite well for COVID requirements in any event. So consequently, we've been able to trade through with a full complement in our firm um, all the way through um, and, and still comply with all the you know, occupational health and safety requirements. So yeah, having a bit of space is, is pretty good in the boutique end. Yeah, I mean, look, our office, uh, we, you know, we're not, you know, we've resisted the urge to go into the CBD and, uh, you know, we're, we're slightly out of town. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, it looks like an act of genius now to, 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 to be out of there, that's for sure. Um, okay, look, we might, we've got some uh, other interesting ones. We're going to go a little bit off beam now. What have we got next? Look, this is an interesting one that I just wonder, just again, this is one for Serena um, and Mark. I wonder whether or not the face of, you know, a lot of things, insolvency, restructuring. I mean, this particular article is about um, uh, act class action funders, but there is a lot more litigation funding coming into uh, to, to insolvency in particular. Is that going to change the way business is done, do you think? I'll start with you, Serena, maybe. Um, I don't... I think people will be because it, in, it's sort of in, in, in turnaround and in restructuring and I suppose insolvency... Um, you, when you're looking at something, you sort of go, oh, no, they're not going to get funded for, for that so we can think about this. Or There's that question, whereas if if um, it becomes a much bigger area, which I think it is, I think they're right, um, then it's a, it's a much different way of looking at how things are handled. Um, so throwing that back over to Mark, so we would sort of say, oh, well, they're not going to get funded to have a look at this claim or that claim. or So it, it's, it's a different... Just perspective on whether you're looking at it from a turnaround perspective and, and trying to push someone in or whether you're actually acting for insolvency practitioners who are then probably going to use some of these funds mm. more. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Mark? good comments. I guess my, my take from that article is is about trying to, you know, uh, uh, more regulate, um, you know, uh, a litigation funders in a licensing regime and make them comply with uh, managed investment scheme legislation. It's mm. interesting um, that the big listed players in the litigation space have been pushing that for quite a while. The main reason they're pushing it uh, is to raise the barriers to entry, to try and squeeze mm. out the smaller litigation funders and also the foreign litigation funders that seem to be uh, crossing the border and you know uh, applying foreign money uh, to litigation in this space. Uh, 
So I actually see a little bit of a little bit of a danger for for, for my end uh, of restructuring, which is in the SME space. You know, there has been in the last few years a you know real plethora of uh, nimble and savvy you know smaller litigation lenders that, that I've found very useful. And uh, you know, if this is pushed out to the nth degree, it could squeeze out some of those players in the litigation lending space. Okay, a couple of questions to ask in closing. So I'll just go around the screen. I'll start. Uh, I'll start with you, Dave. Um, just looking, you know, we're obviously on a Friday now, but looking forward over the next couple of weeks, um, you, you don't have a lot of cases in WA. I mean, you, you had five people in hospital with COVID. Yeah, WA. Uh, I think we've had one case in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I don't think there's anyone in hospital at the moment. They're, they're down to a few active cases. Um, Queensland is is very similar. South Australia, I don't think's had a case for a couple of weeks now. Um, Northern Territory is pretty good. Um, you've got to be feeling pretty good about that, surely. That must be that's that's a bit of optimism well, right there. It makes me feel really good. I just um, I just would like the premiers to agree on um, on opening borders as soon as well. I, the, tr the trouble with them is, I know it's, it's, a, I know it's a risk. Yeah. We, we, we should put them on jockeying. Yeah, look, it's a risk opening borders, and and yeah. I can I can see the the rationale behind it and protecting their states and people travelling back and forth. But um, I tell you, I've got an idea. I've for got you, a Dave. personal interest in uh, in uh, in opening borders. So, well, what, what we should do is we should say to your premier, either here's here's a risk: you can either open the border, or we're going to stick you in one of Dave's suits and clean out an asset. <laughs> 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 Which one of those? I'll mention. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can catch up with him. Yeah. You have done really well, though. I mean, Australia has, has done very well in in containing this and um, and um, yeah, stopping the spread. So I think we've we've definitely looks you know ahead of the rest of the world by the look of it. Okay, and uh, Serena, what what's uh, what's something that's sort of keeping you optimistic and uh, what get keeping your glass half full the next the next week ahead of us? Um, I think opening up New South Wales on the 1st of June um, to to non-essential travel, so in other words, holidays coming into the school holidays is going to be a real boost. I think yep. New South Wales got devastated, I mean, a lot of Australia got devastated by the fires, but particularly, you know, the South Coast and other places, Sapphire Coast, I think it's going to um, lift spirits. I know people have been talking about that a lot, where they're going to go, what they're going to do. Um, so I think that New South Wales is primed to start feeling a little bit better about itself. Um, albeit that there were three cases overnight that they don't know how they got them. So that's quite interesting to see where that goes. So I think that's something to look forward to. Okay. Uh, yeah, look, I noticed that, uh, you know, childcare centres are going to start opening up as well. So um, that's, that's, going, that's going to be helpful. Certainly schools, schools are back and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, look, uh, you know, whilst some of us are sort of, on, you know, in the special situations area, uh, I think that... Um, uh, we see more activity not when things are at the bottom, but when things are coming off the bottom. I've always said, you know, it's when it's when it's when things are bouncing back. That's when people, uh, you know, when they've got something in their revenue forecasts that they can build a restructuring plan around. Uh, you know, it's one thing if it's all gloom and doom, but if you've actually, you know, if you've done it a bit tough, but you've got uh, you can all suddenly maybe put some some uh, sales orders or something into that plan, you've then got something to play with. What what do you reckon, Mark? I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, that uh, burst of uh, optimism, I hope that comes to the fore uh, and it sort of encourages uh, directors, particularly of SMEs, which is my, my space, to yep. do a bit more planning, be a bit more rigorous around, you know, how they're going to restructure uh, to punch out the other side uh, in September. 
And, you know, I hope they touch on experts such as, uh, you know, people such as us, uh, Serena and you, Nick, and you, David, in terms of, you know, getting the right sort of uh, input to, um, you know, get, get good plans together that will be robust and take them forward beyond September. Do you think, I mean, I was almost going to do a survey of the insolvency industry this week, and I haven't given up on the idea, but one mm -hmm. of the things I'm interested in knowing is whether or not they think that, you know, are, are, are people, you know, there will be some restructuring on the other side of this. Are we going to be looking at people saying, look, we're going to we're going to restructure, but we're going to bat on? Or are they going to be saying, listen, I'm just going to, I'm going to call it stumps and, uh, you know, go yeah. on? Well, well, look, uh uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of this free money, in inverted commas, has propped up some zombies, um, you know, companies that really at their core aren't viable and really should be put to the sword. And yep. so, um, you know, uh, th th there will be a flurry of that activity. And, and, and I think, you know, if, if, if there isn't a core business to be saved, it really is better that they, they are, uh, you know, wound up and that capital recycled, you know, and made available to businesses that, uh, you know, uh, are, are viable or could, can be made viable. All right. Well, look, on that note, uh, we're, we're just running out of time and Dave's got to go and catch a plane. So uh, Dave's got uh, got one of those uh, golden tickets that lets him fly around the country. So, oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Dave Osmond from APMS, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Mark you, Robinson from uh, DVT and Serena Jackson from uh, Duros Jackson. It's been a very interesting discussion. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who's watched us live. Uh, we've streamed today on, on, on LinkedIn and on Facebook, which is a first for us. Uh, but um, thank you to everybody. Most of our uh, listeners and viewers uh, watch us over the weekend. Uh, we are a podcast uh, now. So um, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. And uh, look forward you. to catching you. Thank you. And look forward to seeing you uh, all again soon. Cheers. All right. Thanks, guys. Good to meet you all.